Warning, this case does discuss the topics of suicide and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 84. As you can tell, I am kind of sick, so I'm sorry about the sound of my voice. Today, I'll be talking about the murders or murder-suicide of Michael and April Holton. At the end of this case, I'll ask you to decide whether or not you think it was two murders or a murder-suicide. My sources for today's episode are Dateline, Season 27, Episode 29, titled 11 Minutes, Oxygen.com, FoxNews.com, WSFA.com, and Heavy.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Did you shoot your parents? No. Either one of them? No. You're not a murderer? I'm not a murderer. Madison Holton. High school senior, accused killer. I literally got chills. This is a huge deal. The father had come home and found a lot of drug paraphernalia. They were having issues with him. It was hurting her heart to have this happen. Distraught parents, a rebellious team, a family meeting explodes into violence. This case takes place in the small town of Eclectic, Alabama. Jesse Madison Holton, or Madison, was described as a handful. He was born to parents Michael and April. Madison was always sweet but different. Madison was picked on in school for being scrawny, but by his senior year, he had a growth spurt and wanted to hang out with his friends. Madison liked to talk a lot and be the class clown. And Madison liked to push the boundaries with his parents, especially his dad. He began hanging out with friends that opened the door to smoking weed and partying. April was afraid and asked her brother Chris, a police officer, to talk to Madison. By this point, April and Michael were also going through a separation. On September 11, 2016, Madison threw a house party while his dad was at work. A parent had called Michael and said that their kid had come from Madison's under the influence of something. Michael was embarrassed about it, and he called Chris to check on it. Michael was embarrassed because he was the former mayor and fire chief of Electic. He was pissed that Madison was tarnishing his reputation. And when Michael walked inside, he found homemade bongs and a box that smelled suspicious. Michael called the police and they sent some deputies to the house. Sheriff Ben Franklin's son arrived at the house and Michael greeted him in the yard. Michael explained that he had handcuffed Madison and was disciplining him inside. The deputy at the scene reported that April was in the living room and Madison was handcuffed behind his back on the couch. Michael asked the deputy how they could get the juvenile courts involved. The deputy also told Michael and April how they could get a copy of the police report, and then he left. But just 11 minutes later, there was a 911 call. The call came from Michael and April's again. There had been shots fired this time, and now one person was dead and one was dying. There was a pistol on the floor in between the two bodies. The deputy had left at 4.48 p.m., and the second 911 call was placed at 4.59 p.m. Madison had told the police that his parents had been involved in an altercation, Madison said they went into the bedroom and the fight became physical. The fight was over Madison and his house party that he had. On the 911 call, the neighbor had reported and said that it was an attempted murder-suicide. Michael was dead on the scene, but April was unconscious. It was believed that Michael had shot April and turned the gun on himself. April had been shot through her hand first, and as she turned her head to defend herself, she was shot in the head. Michael's injuries seemed to be self-inflicted, and he had trauma in his mouth. April and Michael had gotten together in high school, and they married after graduation and eventually had three kids together. April loved her kids and seemed like she would do anything for them. 
Michael was very recognized all around town. He worked his way up from paramedic to fire chief and mayor, and he was a leader and very nice to people. According to April's friend, Tanya, they were happy for a long time. April would share things with her and eventually said that Michael would talk to her not in a not-so-loving way. By summer 2016, April filed for divorce, and Michael wasn't happy. On September 11th, April answered Michael's call because it was about Madison, and they agreed to meet to talk to Madison. The police noticed that Michael had an entry wound to the back of his head. A state pathologist confirmed that Michael did have a close contact wound at the base of his head, but the angle was odd and police said that they did their own experiment and that they could only do it when they held a gun upside down. The angle was facing upward. He also would have had to use his left hand, but he was right-handed. The pathologist ruled Michael's death as a homicide and April was pronounced dead on September 12th at the hospital. Madison became the prime suspect, and he was questioned on the morning of September 12th, accompanied by his uncle, Chris. My dad, like, signaled my mom to come into the room, and she did, and he shut the door. After about five minutes, you say you heard your mom? Scream help. Scream help. Okay, what did you do? I jumped up. I ran to the master bedroom door. I kicked it open, and my dad was holding her like this. I was like, I need to go get help. Madison said he ran to the neighbors to get help, but that he didn't hear any gunshots when he ran to his neighbor's house. The police didn't believe him, and they also noticed his demeanor. Chris got very stern with his nephew and told him that he needed to tell them the truth. They said maybe Madison shot his dad to protect his mom, but Chris said he didn't know what had happened, but saw April's hand had been bandaged at the hospital and heard that she had been shot through the hand. Everything that I know, I told y'all everything that I know. As the police and Chris were walking out of the room, Madison flipped off the police and his uncle as they left. Madison didn't have a care in the world and was talking about homecoming on his way to take a blood sample. Madison could also be heard talking to someone from his jail cell about what the girls were saying about him being in jail. What if, like, all the girls said about it? Like, that's what I wondered. Like, the people I slept with, like, what are they thinking about it right now? Like, oh... During their investigation, the police did their own experiments. They tested if Madison really hadn't heard any gunshots on the way to his neighbors. They had the same weapon and brand of ammunition. Madison said he had ran to a neighbor's house about 200 yards away, but the police could hear the gunshots from their experiments. Madison was arrested and charged with murder. My opinion is they picked a fight. They thought they picked out some weak-minded kid they didn't know who they were playing with. Madison had many supporters defending him. They said he just wasn't capable of killing his parents, and some said they wouldn't have put him in jail if they didn't have evidence. The police believed Madison knew his parents were going to take him to juvenile court, so he killed them. Madison said his home became very unpleasant to live in, and he said he wanted to do his own thing and started partying. Madison lived with his dad when his parents separated, and Madison said his dad discovered that April had a new boyfriend. He, like, freaked out, and then he called her. And was, like, going off on her about it. Saying what? It was, like, I, I need you. Like, I can't live without you. Stuff like that. And whenever we got back home, I had never seen my dad cry before, but he was bawling. Madison said while he was in jail, he believed he would be getting out sometime soon. His story never changed from the night his parents were shot. And he asked to take a polygraph test about three to four times, but the polygraph, the polygraph test never happened. April's brothers didn't believe Madison was the shooter. 
Madison didn't his didn't know his other uncle Mike that well, but they talked while Madison was in jail. Mike was a former police officer and searched for anything to prove that Madison was innocent. In December 2017, Chris and his wife were finally able to bond Madison out of jail. He had been in jail for about a year and a few months. Mike discovered something in Michael's autopsy report. Michael had been under the influence of narcotics, and he had hydrocodone, oxycodone, and trametadol in his system, and they said that Michael had a drug problem. Chris said he believed Michael had lured April over to the house by saying they needed to talk about Madison, and Chris said that April was over it, and Michael snapped and killed her and himself. Mike also found a letter that Michael had written to April in his diary, and it said, quote, I just can't go on knowing you're with someone else, end quote. And he also wrote, it's either you, me, or the both of us. A former FBI agent, Greg Biggs, said that when Madison was out, he was partnered with Madison at church, and that he found out that Madison would be going on trial for murder. He offered to help with the investigation. Madison claimed that his demeanor was that he didn't cry because it hurt and he just kept seeing it replay in his head. According to the evidence, Michael had scratches on his face and neck and his DNA was under April's nails. Madison didn't have any blood on him or his clothes. The police were never able to lift a full print from that gun and the only DNA found on on it was April's on the trigger. Greg Biggs demonstrated how Michael could have killed himself. He used an unloaded gun identical to the one at the scene. According to the deputies who arrived at the scene, Madison had still been handcuffed when they arrived the second time. However, the investigators said that he found a handcuff key in the living room and suggested Madison could have gotten out of it. Did you slip out of the handcuffs (laughs) and and commit murder and then put the handcuffs back on? No. Would you know how to do that? No. It was the first time I had ever been put in handcuffs. The police said the gun was a small caliber gun, so the gun wouldn't have caused that much damage, and they said Madison could have walked away without blood on him. On October 22, 2018, Madison's trial was set to begin. In court, the last part of the jury selection was set to happen, and there were people running all over the courthouse when the DA announced that they didn't have any proof beyond a reasonable doubt to try the case, and the charges against Madison were dismissed. The DA said the pathologist that ruled Michael's death was a homicide, couldn't sit on the stand if he didn't know for sure. Finding out that Madison was released and that it was done, I feel like she's finally at peace. She can be at peace because for her babies to be in turmoil, that's not something that would be acceptable for her. So what do you think? Do you think it's possible that Michael was on drugs, shot April, then himself? Or do you think Madison got out of his handcuffs, shot his parents, and got back into the cuffs in just 11 minutes? Do you think Madison will eventually be charged again if new evidence is found? I'd love to know what you think. My book recommendation for this week is We're All Lying by Marie Still. Summary, how far would you go to keep what's yours? Someone is hunting Cass. Cass lives an inevitable life, a successful career, two great kids, and a handsome husband. Then, an email from her husband's mistress, Emma, brings the facade of perfection crumbling around her, setting off a chain of events where buried secrets come back to haunt her. A taunting email turns into stalking and escalates into much worse. Ethan and Cass try to move on, then Emma disappears. No longer considered a victim, Cass finds herself the prime suspect and center of the investigation. Her dark secrets, including ones she didn't know existed, threaten to destroy everything they've worked for. This book definitely caught my interest from the very beginning. Emma disappears after reaching out to Cass about her cheating husband. 
Cass thought her life was perfect, but as you can tell from the title of the book, not everything is as it seems. Cass discovers someone is trying to tell her darkest secrets and destroy her life and marriage. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and again, I'd love to know what you think, because I'm 50-50 on it. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com. Buy me a coffee, leave me a five-star rating and review, and I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.